hello, and welcome again to another conservative historian podcast. This one entitled, The Dates of Christmas. The date is December 2023, and my name is A.D. Tippett. Christmas is not a date. It is a state of mind. Mary Ellen Chase. Our hearts grow tender with childhood memories and the love of kindred, and we are better throughout the years for having in spirit become a child again at Christmas time. Laura Ingalls Wilder. Jesus was born on December 25th, well, 00 BCE or CE. I've had this ingrained in my memory since childhood. There is only one problem with this belief. We do not know if it is true. Andrew McGowan, in a tremendous piece written for the Biblical Archaeological Society, states, The biblical reference to shepherds tending their flocks at night when they hear the news of Jesus' birth, which is in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, might suggest the spring lambing season. In the cold month of December, on the other hand, sheep might well have been corralled. Yet most scholars would urge caution about extracting such a precise but incidental detail from a narrative whose focus is theological rather than calendrical. The early church leaders, 200 years before the codification of Jesus' birth on December 25th, were more concerned with affixing the date of his death rather than his birth. This much we do know. Long before electric lights and central heating, winter was the most feared of the seasons. It is impossible to sow and bring in harvest, and there is limited daylight. People across the globe celebrate the lengthening of the days that begin after the high point of winter, rendered in our current calendars December 22nd. So, one belief is, is that the birth of Jesus, like many religions, was borrowed from what came before to enable greater Christalization centered on pagan beliefs. The Romans had their midwinter Saturnalia festival in late December. Barbarian peoples of northern and western Europe kept holidays at similar times for the same reason to celebrate the lengthening of the days and the passing of the worst of winter. And then there's also in 274 CE, the Roman Emperor Aurelian established a feast for the birth of Sol Invictus the unconquered son, on December 25th. This brings us to the cult of Mithras, often viewed as a soldier's particular religion. Worshippers of Mithras had a complex system of seven grades of initiation and communal ritual meals. Initiates would call themselves syndexioi, those united by the handshake. They met in underground temples, many of which survive today. Pretty good numbers. The cult appears to have had its center in Rome and was popular throughout the western half of the empire, as far south as Roman Africa and Numidia, and as far east as Roman Dacia, as far north as Roman Britain, and to a lesser extent in Roman Syria in the east. I sometimes think of the cult of Mithras as a more formal version of the Greek college system with its special rites, handshakes, and predominance of males. It appears that the annual celebration was held on December 25th. The winter solstice being the most important celebration of the cult, it was believed that Mithra was born on this day, hence the birthday of the unconquered sun. Unsurprisingly, a lifetime soldier such as Aurelian would celebrate this religion. 
Now, Christmas, one argument goes, is a spinoff from these pagan solar festivals. According to this theory, early Christians deliberately chose these dates to encourage the spread of Christmas and Christianity throughout the Roman world. If Christmas looked like a, a pagan holiday, more pagans would be open to the holiday and the God whose birth it celebrated. Despite its popularity today, this theory of Christmas's origins has problems. It is not found in any ancient Christian writings, for one thing. Early Christian writers never hint at any recent palindrical engineering. They don't think the church chose the date. Instead, they see the coincidence as a providential sign, as natural proof that God had selected Jesus over the false pagan gods. Another theory put forth by Emma Dancy, writing for Bible Study Tools, states, Sextus Julius Africanus was a Roman believer who believed that Jesus' conception was March 25th and therefore nine months later would be December 25th. So this brings us back to the springtime, but in terms of conception rather than birth. Regardless of which theory is to be accepted, by 336 CE, the Emperor Constantine established December 25th as the date when Christians celebrate Christ's birth. He didn't choose a random date. Christians had discussed various dates for the celebration, and December 25th might have become an established president for quite some time beforehand. Constantine, an emperor who won the throne by vanquishing many rivals, often chose the most widely attested viewpoint, since it would receive the least controversy. And even before that, the December 25th feast seems to have existed before 312, before Constantine and his conversion at least. As we have seen, the Donatist Christians in North Africa seem to have celebrated at this time. Increasingly, his birth date has such notoriety in later centuries, and it was interesting because at, at that point in later times, church leaders were, were concerned with it. But the early church leaders were not. The earliest writings, Paul and Mark, make no mention of Jesus' birth. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke provide well-known but quite different accounts of the event, and neither specifies a date. Adds McGowan, Easter, a much earlier development than Christmas, was simply the gradual Christian reinterpretation of Passover in terms of Jesus' passion. Its observance could even be implied in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7-8, through 8, our Paschal Lamb Christ has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival. It was undoubtedly a distinctively Christian feast by the mid-2nd century CE when the apocryphal text known as the Epistle to the Apostles has Jesus instruct his disciples to make commemoration of death, that is, the Passover. Like the Islamic Quran or the Hindu Bhagavad Gita, the Bible is three things simultaneously. It encapsulates two religions, or, well, three if one endorses the 6th century borrowings of its figures. Depending on the version, it is literature, though I am disappointed I have no gifts for languages because I cannot read an earlier version such as one in Greek. And, of course, it is history. In that later vein, I take much of the Old Testament and specific chapters of the New with a grain of salt. I know we like to think of our religious texts as representative of God, or, as in the case of the Quran, the exact wording for God. 
But the Old Testament is history was an oral tradition handed down by generations and only captured in writing 800 years after the first of the possible historical figures Abraham would have lived. It is more than just the issue of alterations to the oral histories depending on the speakers. Like every community on earth, the Hebrews had their own biases, beliefs, and opinions which would have permeated the text. But what we know historically about Jesus makes him unique. Now, every religion is special, of course, but the context of Jesus and what his birth means is something out of time. As Thomas Cahill brilliantly noted in The Desires of the Everlasting Hills, his book on Jesus and the Gospels, the archetype of greatness in ancient times, not so different from today, really, was the warrior. And none were seen as greater in Jesus's life than Alexander of Macedon, a man who conquered and never lost a big battle. All of the greats of history, from Cyrus to Alexander to Pompey to Frederick of Prussia or Catherine of Russia, were conquerors. Yet in ancient times, along comes a man who extols the values and attributes of passivity, love, compassion, and contentment. The encapsulation of this ethos comes to life in the Beatitudes from Matthew 5, verses 3 through 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thinking about the concept of mercy, for example, Alexander would have thought that a great weakness. Now, I will not comment on the often obscene commercialization of Christmas. As a good capitalist, this kind of thing happens. Though, do we really need Christmas messaging after Halloween instead of traditionally coming after Thanksgiving? I will not here address the replacement of Jesus with St. Nicholas, better known as Santa Claus. Ultimately, the myths around him are, well, relatively harmless, as most cease believing in him before the age of 12. I myself remember when a second-grade classmate named Sandy explained the problematic issues with a single guy going through the world visiting every home on a sleigh on a single night. Her arguments were hard to refute, and it was the beginning of the end of my Santa period. I should note that Sandy ended up as our high school class valedictorian. At some point, I will comment on the bastardization or secularization of the season as we have transformed Merry Christmas into Happy Holidays. I agree with winter break as that connotation would fit non-Christians. But if you are a Muslim and I wish you a happy holiday, which holiday are we referring to exactly? New Year's? Hanukkah? But those are not the core of, this, of which this season is built. Now, I have no issue with wishing a Muslim a happy Ramadan or wishing a Jew a good Yom Kippur, but it is always Christianity that seems to be downplayed, not these others. But I digress from my point. I do not know which date Jesus was born, but as noted in the words of Matthew, 
I know why I celebrate Christmas or keep Christmas as I prefer. The concept of the letters to capture the spirit, or as Dickens' Ebenezer Scrooge stated far better than I ever could, for it is good to be children sometimes, and never better than at Christmas, when its mighty founder was a child himself, and I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. Thank you for listening to this latest Conservative Historian Podcast.